Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make Tuesday night, it's time again for Blog Talk Radio with your host, John Fisher of The Catch, and that's found at uh, catchjohnfisher.com. Be sure and spell that F-I-S-C-H-E-R, and uh, come join us, sign up if you haven't, of writing from me every day. I do that five days a week. And uh, um, we've got all kinds of things going on. If you're new to our program, um, we've got a prayer ministry. We have counseling. We have uh, blog talk radio church on Sunday nights uh, at Facebook Live. So um, lots of things going on here at The Catch, where our desire is to help Christians be in the world. And so we keep talking about the culture we're in and what it means to follow Christ in the middle of it. Uh, We talk a lot about uh, worldview, and uh, we're a little different on worldview here because we, I believe, is it will connect with the world, not tell the world to go get lost. And uh, that seems to be what a lot of Christians end up with worldview is, well, there's our view and then there's your view. Worldview is is my view and, against yours. And what we're trying to build is bridges to the world, not walls, because we are carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is good news for everybody. And there's no reason for us to make enemies. Um, Which really brings us to our topic tonight. Uh, And due to the fact that in the last 30 years, Christians and Christianity has has gotten very tight with politics in America, it's created a conundrum of problems. And... uh, A lot of people don't even see those problems at all. They think everything is just fine. You can, uh, you know, you can, you know, serve God and America all at the same time. And we all stand for the same things. And, uh, you know, Jesus and and Republicans are uh, arm in arm. Uh, You know, it's just, uh, uh, you know, sorry, I'm getting a little carried away, but. Uh, we obviously have some uh, difficulties that have, with this. And there are a few people who have stepped out over, the, uh, over those 30 years and tried to send up flags, warning flags. Wait a minute, what's happening? One of those guys um, is, is a guy came, uh, called Greg Boyd who wrote the myth of uh, 
American uh, Christian, the, the myth of Christian, of a Christian nation. And uh, uh, there's a number of other books like that. One, one I can't remember now, but boy, it was really a great book by a couple guys who got very involved in the uh, Christian coalition. And uh, they were even running, running the whole right wing uh, chapter and then began to realize what was going wrong with their mix, that particular mix of, uh, of truth and Christianity and, and politics and, and, and backed out and wrote a whole book about, it was called Blinded by Might. And uh, they realized they should come to power. And I think that's been a big issue with uh, Christians' involvement in, in politics has been this illusion of power that it gives somebody. Wow, we've got, you know, we're in the White House now. We, we, uh, we, can, we can make a change. We can make a difference. However, if you look at our country in the last 30 years, I don't know how much of a difference you can see that has resulted from Christians electing certain people that they want into politics and thinking we're going to make a huge difference in people's lives. It's a kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God operates on a different basis. And uh, I'm getting carried away here, thunder from our guests, so I don't want to do that. Talking about this, and I just felt it would be great to bring uh, on uh, another author uh, with a fantastic title, really a, a controversial one that makes you think. Um, and especially in light of Independence Day tomorrow, you know, should we fly our flag? Um, that's what we're going to get to. Bottom line here, how do we, how do we mix this? How, how, do we not mix it? How do we juggle our, our place as, as Americans and our place as Christians, uh, part of the kingdom of God? Here to help us work through this mess is uh, Keith Giles, who wrote Jesus Untangled, Crucifying Our Politics to Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. I love that. Um, so, Keith, we've had Keith on before one other time, but uh, not, not the day before uh, 4th of July. So, Keith, welcome back <laughs> to The Catch. Oh, John, thank you so much. I'm I'm really blessed and honored to be on the, the catch with you and to be talking about this really important subject. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, let me just just throw you a line here. The the, the big question what drew you to do to write this book? Um what what's the big problem as you see it? Uh, that has happened with the church in America, and 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 how how are you trying to get us to think differently? Yeah, well, yeah, man, thank you. That introduction was great. I think you touched on a lot of the the things that I noticed. Well, I think what one of the core things that I realized was that uh, Christians in America were more American than they were Christian. And I think I noticed it mostly in the beginning in myself, uh, that I realized that I myself had become really entangled, my faith and my politics. I couldn't tell 
where one ended and the other began. And I did believe for the longest time that to be a follower of Jesus meant you had to be a Republican, uh, you had to be, you know, a nationalist and, and patriotic and all that. Um, and then slowly God just started, you know, very gently, but shining a light on my own entanglement with politics. And and the more that He began to strip that away from me in my own life, the more I realized I wasn't the only one struggling with this, and that I realized really, I think the church at large in America suffers from this kind of a of a problem where um, we are more American than Christian. You know, like so we have Christians that will, at the drop of a hat, argue with a total stranger about a, uh, some political issue, uh, you know, in, in the line at the grocery store or at the mall or something, but wouldn't, wouldn't talk to that same person for five minutes about Jesus and the good news uh, of the kingdom. And, mm. and that, again, mm. puts the finger on the problem, right? We are much more uh, in America. It mm. seems the church in America is much more excited about and passionate about politics than they are about Jesus. Mm. And, and um, that's, that's a problem, right? That kind of sets us, yeah. we, we start off with the wrong mindset. We think that we need to be loyal to our leaders. We think we need to be loyal to our government. Uh, and I would say in one sense, yes, we do. But as Christians, our leader mm-hmm. is Jesus, and our government is the kingdom of God. <laughs> and, uh, and his kingdom mm-hmm. is made of every tongue and tribe and nation. Um, we transcend every border, right? Um, I, I typically will ask a question sometimes when I'm talking to Christians about this, where I will just say to them, you know, imagine if you can, uh, somebody in communist China or maybe in North Korea or something, and they hear the gospel and they genuinely receive the good news of the kingdom and they completely surrender themselves to Jesus. Legitimately, you know, they now belong to Jesus. Do they also in that moment become an American, a Republican, uh, or a Democrat, or anything? Well, of course not, right? Of course not. We know that that isn't the case. But, but I ask the question because I want Christians to understand that not only is it possible to genuinely love and serve Jesus apart from uh, American politics, uh, not only is it possible to do so, the majority of our brothers and sisters on this planet right now who follow Christ are not American, which means they're not mm. uh, Republican or Democrat or capitalist or libertarian or anything else. So we are, that's our family. That's who we belong to. We belong to a mm. worldwide body of Christ made up of people from every tongue and tribe and nation. That's our identity. And, and that's mm. one of the reasons why, becoming Americanized and nationalized and patriotic and all that, even though maybe that feels good and seems good, uh, it's a denial of our identity, and it's a denial of really, you know, who we are as ambassadors of Christ in his kingdom. Wow. Keith, in your book, um, you go way back to uh, Constantine, and um, uh, something happened there. So... uh, uh, tell us about that because it seems to have maybe uh, set us on a on a course all these years later that that we still may not have straightened out yet. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the first question people ask is how do we get here? Uh, and I, I think you can trace it if you look at the Christian Church 
prior to Constantine. Um, you have about 300 years of the followers of Jesus uh, and the apostles, um, and they, they had a mindset of something that's called the two kingdoms uh, rule. And so in their minds, there were two kingdoms, and one was the kingdom of the world, which would have been for, for many of them the Roman Empire. But any government, any man-made government was, was the kingdom of the world. And then there was a different kingdom, which uh, was called the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ. And so if you, if, if you go in, and I invite you to do this if you haven't, and your listeners to do this, if you read um, some of the testimonies of the, of the martyrs, the early Christian martyrs, what you'll notice is most of them are tortured and killed because they refuse to say that Caesar is Lord. That what they, what they, what they go to their deaths proclaiming is that they have no king but Jesus. Uh, you even see mm. this, by the way, reflected in the book of Acts. There's a beautiful passage in the book of Acts when in Ephesus when they're, they're coming against Paul uh, and the other apostles, and they say uh, they're preaching another king, one named Jesus. Mm. And that is exact. that was the message. That was the, 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 the idea that Jesus is Lord is not, you know, to us today it's like a bumper sticker. But to them it was a, it was a radical political statement that they serve a, a new king, a higher king, who hmm. was Jesus, who was Christ. And so for 300 years, the church was persecuted because Christians refused to acknowledge the, the, that Caesar was their king, that they said, no, Jesus is our king. But when Constantine, mm-hmm. um, he, well, uh, he said it was a conversion experience. I'm not very convinced it was a genuine conversion experience. I don't think he really met the same Jesus that we read about in the New Testament. But, but at any rate, he, he felt like he did, and he made, he made Christianity the favored religion, and he stopped uh, a lot of the persecution, and he began to favor Christianity. Well, all of a sudden then, um, many, not all, but many church leaders uh, began to decide that, well, maybe we do have another king, and his name is Constantine. And there, so there, mm. there began to be sort of an entanglement between the church and the state that started with Constantine. It certainly was solidified much later, uh, you know, as the Roman Catholic Church became, began to achieve political power. Um, I've got to say, one of the most heartbreaking things to me is that um, many of those early Christians at, at the time of Constantine who decided – um, to warm up to the empire and to and to allow that entanglement to happen, I think they they honestly did so because they honestly were hoping that by doing that it would take the sword off of the neck of the church, that that they would stop hmm. being killed and tortured and persecuted, and and that was true for a very brief time, but within one generation, um, Christians were still being killed. Uh, but the, 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 here's the saddest thing. They were being killed now by other Christians. Other who Christians, had the authority yeah. of the state. Yeah, by the authority yeah. of the state, they now had the authority of the sword to put other Christians to death for believing the wrong things. Um, and right. so the sword really never left the church, changed hands. And then the, the horrific thing was it was in our hands, and we were doing it to ourselves, oh, our boy. brothers and sisters. That's really oh. sad. Well, so... So it seems to me right away I can see something here that uh, when when the uh, when the government when the ruling government is uh, against the kingdom um, that's actually a, a, a no problem for Christians because 
then we can see the two kingdoms very clearly and we're going to be persecuted yep. or whatever. And that's why in, in some time, it seems like you can go at places in the world today where Christians are being persecuted and you will find a very healthy, alive church. I imagine. Yes. <laughs> because, yes. yeah, because they have to be. Yeah. But then when, when suddenly the government sides with us, with Christians, that's when things start to get confusing. Uh, yes. And and then I can look I can look right away at at uh, our situation here in America and see uh oh <laughs> yep. there it is yep is that is that the thing yep. is that so has has it been like that ever since Constantine yeah I, I believe so I think if you look um, throughout church history or just you know through through the history of the church starting from that time of Constantine moving forward. You see a church that is more and more entangled, and then you see more and more types of persecutions happening. And uh, and you have, you make a good point, John. Um, uh, but but I think we have to be careful because it's sort of like it's the illusion that the empire is favoring us because the empire doesn't really favor. If you get right down to it, mm. the empire never really favors the true message of Jesus because the true message of Jesus is much too revolutionary and subversive. Uh, and they can't, you really can't control that. So you sort of, the, the empire needs to basically just be friendly in some, in general. Um, but, mm. you know, but, but there's very subtle ways that they, they'll resist some of the more radical ideas that Jesus presents, which would be the idea of, you know, loving your enemies and not using violence. And because, it, because again, um, and this is one of those radical messages, I think that the early Christians before Constantine certainly embraced was the idea of not using not responding with violence to those who did evil against them but to respond with love and so not only did that mean that they did suffer some violence but it also meant that every time they were oppressed was an opportunity for the kingdom of god to break in in a radical way and for the love of christ to be demonstrated to people who not only had never even heard of that kind of love but certainly had never experienced it, or if they, if they had, they wouldn't be uh, doing evil and oppressing other people like that. But when, when they're met, when they come at you with evil and you respond with love and you respond with grace and mercy and forgiveness, it disarms them. It transforms them. It makes mm. them say, wow, what is this? I've never seen this before. Mm. Um, mm. But, but here's the thing. All empires, all governments, um, the, the basis of the government, the power of the empire and the government, is really built on a foundation of the fear of death and the fear of violence and the fear of, you know, we're going to put you, we're going to crucify you, we're going to put you to death, we're going to torture you, uh, we're going to throw you in jail for the rest of your life or confiscate your property. So that's the real strength that the empire gets is really the fear of death and the fear of uh, taking your property and all these things. But if followers of Jesus aren't afraid of death, if followers of Jesus actually begin, begin the entire process by dying in the first place, right? They, they die to themselves mm-hmm. from the beginning, and, and they do it every day. They're daily giving up their life for Christ. Um, mm-hmm. And they're not afraid of dying. You know, your threats mean nothing mm-hmm. to me. Uh, I've already given up my life. Um, I'm going to live this radical way uh, anyway, no matter what you do to me. Um, you know, those are the kind of things that I think is the power of the gospel, but it's also what subverts 
the power of the empire. And those are the things the empire typically wants us to forget. And I think they do a really good job of helping us uh, mm. to blur that a little bit, you know, to blur those lines a little bit. So we become more friendly to them, right? Um, so bring us, bring us current now to, uh, to today. And, uh, and, and what has happened say in the last 30 years and how has it happened? Cause I, you know, I I can go back to when I was in when I was in college, and just early, you know, right right around the Jesus movement times, and shortly thereafter, um, uh, I I did not see this political involvement of Christians at all in those days. I don't right. remember that at all. Yep. And uh, yep. but suddenly, there it came, and, and it became very. Powerful and it be, and widespread. Why do you think Why do you think that happened? Well, yeah, and you're very right about that. Um, and and I think there have been different waves of it throughout her, uh, through, through American history, uh, specifically. Hmm. Um, one of the things, and I talk about this in the book, and it was it was funny because once I started researching it, I found I found evidence for this in several different places. So it wasn't like oh, I read one book and that was it. Like well. Because I, I, I read one book and I realized, well, no, there's like five other books that did the same research and covered the same ground and, and was uh, talking about the same sort of idea. And so um, one of those was a, a book by Princeton historian. His name is Kevin Cruz. Uh, he wrote a book called One Nation Under God, and the subtitle is How Corporate America Invented Christian America. And what he documents, mm. and again, it's, I, I started with it, but then the more I looked at it, I, I saw many, many other places. Um, that quoted the same people, documented the same kinds of things. But what, what, what they're documenting is the idea that there was a very specific plan at the time, in the, started in the 50s, uh, where business leaders really had a plan. I mean, they, their, their plan was to link Christianity, uh, conservative Republican politics, and, and libertarian economics possible. And what they wanted to do was to create sort of a, a to change public opinion um, in such a way that Christians felt they were in solidarity with uh, large corporations and that they both might begin to see big government as a common enemy. And this is about the time that we got to our national motto and God we trust, which didn't happen until, you know, like 19, I think 56. And then the pledge of allegiance was added in 19, uh, was added the year before that in 1954. Mm-hmm. But their goal, their goal, and this is their stated goal to entangle Christianity with the Republican, with Republican politics in order to benefit big business. Um, and mm. so that's what they did. And they actually employed a lot of Christian ministers uh, who, who sad, sad to say they were Christian ministers at the time who were willing to do that. And so these Christian ministers literally uh, started changing the sermons that they preached. And they began to preach sermons that uh, ironically, or not so ironically, downplayed the teachings of Jesus, uh, downplayed the Sermon on the Mount. There were no there were no sermons during that time about caring for the poor, uh, loving your mm-hmm. enemy, uh, blessing those who curse you. Mm-hmm. Those kind of no, they, they, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No, all of that kind of disappeared. So it sort of became a Christless Christianity in favor uh, of a more politically aligned gospel. And uh, the sad thing is that it worked. <laughs> that I mean, um, so so there was that that wave wow. in the fifties, and then as you alluded. You know, we had in the 80s with um, 
with Jerry Falwell um, and those guys, and the, the uh, I think Francis Schaefer sadly was also, uh, I think unwittingly in some ways involved with that. I don't yeah, think he knew. I think so the too. Way, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he had a, I think he had the right idea, but I don't think he realized how uh, by politicizing this stuff what it was going to happen. But 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 you mentioned yeah. that book Blinded by Might, and and I read I did a lot of research. Uh, that book was huge for me when I was uh, researching Jesus Untangled. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Ed Dobson and Cal Thomas, they were both the the right and left hand men of Jerry Falwell during the, that time. And they together, after it's all over, they together sat down and wrote a book together where they essentially admitted that they got played like a violin, that uh, that all hmm. of that political entanglement was a mistake. Um, that uh, in the end, they, they didn't make anything better, that actually they made things a whole lot worse. Uh, and so wow. that book was very powerful because these guys lived through it. Uh, like you said, they were very allured by their, the Oval Office. Hey, the president is inviting mm-hmm. us over there to the White House. He's sitting down and having dinner with us. He's taking us seriously. He's making all these promises. He's even quoting Bible verses in his speeches. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we finally arrived. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. what, they, what they realized was, the president got everything he wanted. The party got everything they wanted, and the church got nothing they were promised. Mm. There were no prayers in school initiatives. <laughs> they didn't overturn Roe versus Wade. Uh, nothing, like nothing they were promised ever came to pass. Uh, and that's mm. the big ripoff. You wow. know, like I say in the book, uh, the, mm. the the thing about mixing religion and politics is what you get when you do that is you get if you when you, what you get when you mix religion and politics is you get politics. And mixing religion and politics <laughs> is like mixing horse. It's like mixing horse, mixing horse manure and ice cream. It doesn't really hurt the manure, but it really messes up the ice cream. <laughs> and, and in this case, the gospel is the ice cream that gets really, really messed up. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, oh boy. So, so what do we do now, Keith? Uh, as what do we do as individual Christians? And uh, how do we make our way through this? And, uh, you know, do we put our flag out tomorrow? Um, <laughs> help, yeah. well, help me here. Uh, I know it's a big, yeah. it's a bit, it's, it's a, too big to solve in, in a few minutes, but um, maybe yeah. you can give us some pointers. Well, yeah. Um, well, it is a, it is a big issue. And I, I just want to say, um, right up off the bat. Like I didn't write this book to come up with a list of new commandments for Christians to follow or new rules, you know, okay. this is what you need to do now. Like I, I, I really don't want to tell people what to do, but I really, but I do at the same time want Christians to think about the things you and I are talking about and to, to prayerfully go to the Lord and say, God, um, am I offending you maybe in what I'm doing? Am I, Am I focused way too much on the kingdoms of this world and on, on uh, my particular country and my particular um, political party or something like that? And is it, mm. is it preventing me from seeing you and your agenda for my life as well as for the world? I mean, I, I, mean, I think there is a place. Uh, I think most people who, who are Christians and who are entangled, I really want to believe that it comes from a good place. In other words, they want to make the world a better mm-hmm. place. And, and, they, and I think they've just been tricked into believing that the way to do that is to vote a certain way and pass certain laws and vote for certain people. Uh, and I'm here to tell mm-hmm. you that that's insanity. Like, 
the answer to our problem is not if we could just find the perfect politician. It's never going to happen. It, there is no such thing. Wow. Um, that, that, that actually we as followers of Christ have already been given the answer. We already have it. The idea that Christians, and this is the thing I want Christians to, to really grasp, you believe that the, that the gospel requires some kind of missing power. Like we, we need some power from politics, or we need some power borrowed from the government. And if we had that borrowed power, then we'd have enough power to change the world and make the world a better place. That is a lie. Mm. Because Jesus has already given us all the power we would ever want or need in the gospel. The gospel is intended to, first of all, change me and you into people who look and mm-hmm. act and love like Jesus. And then once we begin to be transformed by, this, by the gospel, it, the intention is that it would transform my family, my friends, my neighbors, my coworkers. This is a lasting change that will endure for generations. And no law will ever touch that. Passing a law will not make anyone's heart change. But if I change people's mm-hmm. hearts into people who love and forgive and serve and care like Jesus does, then the law can be anything you want. The law can tell you it's legal to do the most horrific thing, and it won't matter because I, I don't want to do those things because I love Jesus, right, and I have the character of Christ. And the law can mm-hmm. be um, that, that you have to do these good things, and I'll say, well, fine, I don't care what the law I mean, It's nice that there's a law that tells me to do good things, but I was going to do those good things anyway because I have the life of Christ mm-hmm. in me. And so I, I, my encouragement to Christians is to focus on the gospel, um, that we don't need mm. politics. We're not missing something. We're not missing power. We're not missing influence. We're not missing some kind of missing ingredient. We already have everything. We have it in Christ. We have it in the good news of the kingdom, of the gospel. Uh, it's already hopefully at work in us. And the, the goal is that it would eventually become at work in everyone around us. And if we put all of our eggs in that basket, if we put all of our chips in the middle of that table, and we bet on that, uh, now, now we can make a difference. So that's what I would hope. If you put up your flag or not put up your flag, if you pledge allegiance or not, if you vote or not, again, I, I have personal opinions about those things. But, um, but I think what the most important thing is, is, is Christ, are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Uh, are you putting Christ first? Really, really? Because I think sometimes we tell ourselves we are, but in the, we're not really. Um, so, mm-hmm. I, again, I, I, want, I want Christians to, to try to imagine what it would be like to make a difference in their world with, apart from politics, uh, but only through the power of the gospel. And I think that's what Jesus has in mind. Wow. Well, Keith? That's fantastic, and that is helpful. And we've we've done our thirty minutes, so um, you know I got tons more questions, but we would just have to have you back, I guess. Uh, keep going, but uh, that is really a good conclusion. And uh, um, I just think um, I, I think that the fact that you've been able to help point out some of these things and where they come from. Um, will go a long way towards helping us from being sucked into things which are going to sidetrack us. So yep. um, I really appreciate, I appreciate your work and your thinking. You got a new book coming out tomorrow, which yeah. uh, with a very interesting title, 
Um, tell me, tell us about that book. Yeah, my book uh, that comes out tomorrow is called uh, Jesus Unbound, Liberating the Word of God from the Bible. And uh, what I'm hoping to do is to point out to people that the Bible is great. I'm not against the Bible. I think the Bible is beautiful. But the Bible doesn't point us to the Bible. The Bible points us to Jesus. It points us to Christ. And uh, he's the Word of God, and he's alive in us. And so uh, Mm. that's what I'm hoping to point people to is the – the, the word of God that's alive within us that we can know in a deeper way than just, um, just reading a book. Wow. I like that. That's fantastic. You yeah. know, Keith, for, for about two months, we have been in, involved here at The Catch. We've actually been calling it a, a red letter uh, review. And so oh, wow. we've been going through all the the red letters and um, focusing in on Jesus and, we, and every blog talk we've been talking about this and uh, um, it's been fantastic to to talk about actually we focused a lot on the Sermon on the Mount and how different that is from from so much in our culture and even in our church and um, yeah how how much you know how much we really need to uh get a hold of the words of Jesus and how radical and exciting this this whole thing really is um yeah so uh i i like this and uh yeah i i can connect with that that new book because i i i can see how um you know the it's 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 also the difference between you know, the Bible becoming just kind of such a literal thing and becoming a, a manual for living um, yes. versus, uh, you know, how to do this and how to do that and uh, what God thinks of this and what God thinks of that versus, as you say, um, getting to know Jesus personally and uh, falling yeah, in know, love with I, who he I, is. Yeah, can I, you, you mentioned, you mentioned the Bible being um, a manual and I, I have a little phrase that I use where I say, you know, God, uh, God didn't send us a manual. He sent us Emmanuel, who is God with us. Uh, <laughs> and oh, so, that's great. Uh, we, that's great. We, we, tend, we tend to look at, look at it as a manual, like you said, like, okay, step one, step two, mm-hmm. do this. Uh, but God wants relationship. God wants connection. You know, he, he, doesn't want, he doesn't want us to lean back on formulas and uh, things like that, because, frankly, if we have a formula, we don't really need him. Uh, but he wants us to, to depend on him and lean on him and be connected to him. And so, yeah, I think it's more about Emmanuel than a manual. <laughs> Fantastic. Keith, uh, I can't thank you enough for taking some time to be with us tonight and uh, appreciate it so much. And uh, we'll just, we'll just have to have you back. That's all there is to it. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, I'm ready anytime. So, thank you so much, John. Uh, okay, beautiful, beautiful. Um, God bless you, and, and happy Fourth of July. Whatever, whatever that means to you. Whatever <laughs> you're going to do with it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We uh, we actually yeah. do a we do a we do a pancake breakfast in our in our uh, cul-de-sac. We do have been doing it for the last several years. We uh, invite all our neighbors cool. to come and we cook pancake breakfast and uh, just hang out and get to know our neighbors and stuff. So that's what we'll be doing tomorrow morning. Sounds great. All right. Yeah. Well, enjoy that. All right, and, man. Uh, and th- thanks again, Keith. God bless. Uh, thank you. Thank you, John. God bless. Bye-bye. Okay.
Okay. Well, there you go, folks. That was cool. And that was thought-provoking and uh, worth listening to, coming back to, maybe even telling your friends about, because you can always hear this as soon as we're done. It is now a podcast. And uh, you can come right back to uh, Blog Talk Radio and this spot. You can scroll down uh, weeks from now and find a catch conversation with Keith Giles and click on it and you can hear it where I still go back and listen to some of my favorite podcasts. Uh, I've got one with uh, our first one with Oz Guinness was almost two years ago now. And uh, just keep scrolling and you'll find it. And uh, there's so many great ones here. And so don't, don't just, I love keep up with us each Tuesday, but you know, sometimes you got a little time, um, start scrolling down and look at the subjects and the people we have as guests. And I think you'll be surprised about the things that we cover here. And uh, it can be a real eye-opening and learning process just to listen to these blog talk radio podcasts. So God bless you. Thank you for being a part of the catch. Sign up if you aren't yet. Keep coming and uh, find out what God is doing in the world today. Sucking. Not what you might think. God bless you. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary BGW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus